Welcome to the Belltale Rugby Podcast with me, Neve Campbell, me, Jonathan Bradley, and me, Adam McKendry. With expert analysis and special guests, let's kick off. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Belltale Rugby. You'll notice that I am not Neve Campbell, judging by the voice. Um, Adam McKendry here with you as always, as is our rugby correspondent, Jonathan Bradley. Jonathan, how are you? I'm not too bad, not too bad. I'm a bit jealous that Neve uh, is in Spain. It's continuing the theme of everybody doing more interesting things with their weeks off. You were at the Masters, Neve's in Spain. I'm off next week and I'll be painting a spare bedroom. Well, hold on. Why are you jealous of Neve? Because the weather's so good right now. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you could have picked a better week to go to Spain, Neve. Just, just saying. I know she'll listen to this, so uh, I, I'm sure she'll be thinking, "Why couldn't I have gone whenever the rain's absolutely terrible?" The other 51 weeks of the year. <laughs> the other reason why I'm sure she will be jealous is because we have a very special guest on this week, and I think for the first time we have a current Ulster player on the on the podcast. Or I, I don't know when his contract officially expires, but um, technically a current Ulster player. But joining us in the studio this week, and we are absolutely delighted he is here, is former Wallaby International Sam Carter. How are you, Sam? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I've still got two more months on the contract. So yeah, technically <laughs> still with, with the Ulster men. We timed it perfectly. Mm. And I you thought might- Louis was a current Ulster player when he came on. Was he not? No. Was he? I think he might have been, actually. Yeah, I think Tommy had retired, but Louis was, was still playing, I think. See, this, this is the problem. Whenever Louis started up his uh, his Hellbent brand, he was still a player. So it was like trying to work out <laughs> where his hat was actually lying. But um, Sam must be loving the weather as well. Like this this must feel like exactly like Australia. Yeah, it's been incredible making you... Uh like don't need to go home anymore, do I? <laughs> <laughs> I just stay here. But we were laughing. Like you've spent four years here and... The weather has just decided to come good at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the way it always works, isn't it? As soon as you say you're leaving, it starts to get good. You start to miss it. <laughs> um, we are here to talk, of course, about uh, about your career, Sam. And I, I suppose before we get onto your career as a whole, we, we may as well start with with Ulster and um, how much you've you've enjoyed the last four years here in Belfast. Yeah, it's been interesting. It's been tough. It's been great. It's been up and down. I mean, when I first came over, I was so excited to to play in Europe and to play for such a, a big club, Irish rugby, all-star. It was all, it was all in the up. Um, I wanted to test myself over here. I wanted to play in front of the crowds, um, like be a part of something big. And then obviously did my shoulder in my seventh game playing for Ulster. So that kind of uh, was a bit of a setback. And then I uh, came back from that and then COVID hit, which again, put pumped the brakes on everything. We still could play, but it just didn't really feel the same. And then the last couple of years, it's been, or particularly this season, I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've had um, one of my favorite seasons I've played in the last 10 years because I don't know, it was just... We just enjoyed it we just had a really good bunch of guys playing with and um, I made some really good memories over here. How was it sold to you whenever you were initially coming over? Like did it did it need much of the big seller or had you already sort of made up your mind that Ireland was where you wanted to come? Uh, it, was, it was definitely somewhere in Europe and I wanted to be at a big club and because I like winning, I like competing and I didn't want to go to a team where, you know, you could have got more money but um, we wouldn't be competing consistently. So... Uh, Ulster, Ulster came up and that was the decision. I didn't really know much about Belfast or Northern Ireland um, or even Ulster for for that matter. I ended up doing a bit of research and I liked what I saw and had a chat with Dan and he, he brought me over and the rest is history, I guess. We haven't had uh, too many Australians over here. We've had a lot more South Africans, a few Kiwis. Australians are pretty rare. Was there anybody that you could sort of talk to anyone that you knew from the game that had had experiences over here yeah there was two blokes i was um so henry spate had been over on a on a short deal i think it was six months or something and christian leofano was also here so they were both in my final year at the brumbies we kind of all finished together um so i had a had a good chat to them and they uh they they told me about the crowd the supporters the team the kind of the history of the club and like I, d- I didn't really need much selling after that. So I- I'd gotten to the point where I'd played played in for the Brumbies for 
what was it, nine years or something I'd played for Australia. I'd kind of wanted to see a bit of Europe. I wanted to challenge myself over here. So Ulster was kind of the perfect fit for myself and my family. I think Christian was – Christian especially sort of became a lifetime Ulsterman in the space of about four months. But yeah. <laughs> from uh, arriving, what, September time he arrived yeah. and then uh, left in January. And uh, I remember even when he was leaving, he was uh, already a sort of fan favourite. I mean, I think only Ruin Pinar has sort of had that same impact in such a short space of time. Everyone loved Christian. Mm. And I, I still cannot pronounce his name correctly with the apostrophe in the middle of it. Like, <laughs> It's one of those names that you had to really, really learn how to spell and just put it in the bank because writing it at speed during match reports, you were always going to mess it up. So it was hot, like... Hot kid on the Yeah, on it, was the like, it was like being back in school, just writing it out 15 times, you know, so it's stuck <laughs> in the head. But uh, it was a good time as well um, to be joining Ulster. Like the team had probably been through a number of Rocky years prior to your arrival and the year before you were coming in, Dan had come in, the team was on the up back into the, uh, the last date of Europe and stuff. Did you get a sense of that upon arrival? A young team as well, that um, it was a team that was on sort of an upward trajectory. I did, yeah. I, I definitely got that sense. It was a bit like the Brumbies when I first started there. We kind of, there had been a couple of, you know, down years or not as competitive years. And then we came in with Jake White and there's a lot of young guys there, a lot of, a lot of potential, a lot of, um, uh, like a lot of ambition with, with the guys. And, um, it was, it was a bit the same over here. You could feel it when I came in, the boys were, and now having been here for four years, I think I've seen, you know, nine, 10 blokes get capped for Ireland. Mm. So it's great to see, and it's great to be part of that journey, like seeing them come through, training with them, playing with them. Not that I'm capped for Ireland or anything, but you, you feel a little bit a part of it, just a, a tiny role that you've played with these guys. And uh, you mentioned the injury there, and it was something I was going to ask you about. Like, I suppose Jared Payne had it when he first came over. Marcel Gatia had it whenever he arrived, actually before he came over. Now, your injury wasn't as serious as those guys, but like, how frustrating is it when you get into a new club you're trying to make an impression, obviously, early on. And especially with that being a World Cup year, it was sort of right as this, the season was reaching that sort of um, boiling point, as it were, coming into Europe and you get that injury. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, as I said before, that was kind of what I came over here to do, to play the big games. And that was that was a big game at the rec. And uh, I was in the starting team and I was, you know, happy with where I was at. And then, bang, 20 minutes in, you get these injuries and it's, like it is tough because it, it takes you out of, well, you still go to some of the meetings, but you kind of, you're not training with the guys. You're not in every day on the same schedule. You're on the rehab schedule. You're with the physios, the doctors. Like it's it's kind of a little bit disjointed. So um, it was tough at first, but then obviously as, as you do, you come back bigger and better and then uh, start playing again. What, what are you trying to do in that time whenever you're injured? Because, you know, new guy in, in a new city you're probably still sort of working out your way around places and things like that Does it, was there anybody who sort of rallied around you and sort of helped you during that time uh well definitely the medical staff and and some of the guys like I, i'd been there for three months so i, I had a relationship mm. with and obviously matt fatters came over at the same time mm. so we're kind of in the same boat so we could not that he was injured we were hanging out off the pitch um having a good time just doing what we could really i mean it, it it was tough coming back from it, um, but you know those, that, that's rugby, isn't it? What what was it like, sort of dealing with COVID as well? You know, co- coming to that, and you know, you're again, you're you're a new guy, new team. By by this stage, you are very well set in Belfast, but to have that hit, you know, what what was going through your mind whenever everything <laughs> sort of shuts down? Yeah, it was tough. I was it's one of those kind of moments where you're like, oh should I have done this? Should we have moved over like our whole family? We just couldn't go anywhere. We were so isolated from everyone we knew back home. We couldn't really get on a flight, couldn't do anything. Plus there was all the rules. I mean, it was, it was tough for everyone. Um, but it, it just felt like, like, like a grind. Like it was, it was tough to enjoy what you were doing at that point. As I could imagine, everyone was the same because there were so many different rules and things you had to follow. It just made it, bit tough at that time but again we got through that and um like I really enjoyed my last two seasons here for for you guys as, as rugby players what what 
do you do during that time to sort of keep yourselves digging over? Like, were there like a lot of runs down the down the uh, Malone Road or something like that to keep yourself in? Shape? Yeah, it, it was interesting, wasn't it? Like you had to, you had, you still had to keep fit, but then you couldn't see anyone else, so you couldn't train with anyone else because they were the rules. Like even if you're in an open park, you couldn't run next to someone that you knew technically who should be breaking whatever restriction it was. Um, so I'd, like, there was so many things that we were doing. We were meeting on Zoom. We had like trivia, like team kind of stuff to keep guys interested. And then I, I even remember the coaches recording their own voices and saying like, run over here, here's a rock, <laughs> like come around the corner, get off the line, like hit the deck. And like, you'd have to put your earphones in and do this training in the park. So anyone that was actually watching this person with earphones with no context with what was going on, like it would just would have looked ridiculous. <laughs> like a lot of guys when they come over, I suppose, experiencing the atmosphere at Ravenhill is a big thing for them. And then whenever you do come back after COVID, even I know the games were away, but on that run to the final and stuff, it's all played behind closed doors. Like it's a, it was a weird atmosphere, I suppose, for us to cover games in. But like, how much did it take away from, I suppose, the experience that you thought that you were getting when you came over here? Uh, it was it was massive. Like it was, it kind of felt empty. It kind of, not that it didn't mean anything, but it it felt a little bit. You, you felt distant from what you were doing, almost like you you were still competing against the other team, but felt like it was just training almost um, because obviously no one watches training. You, you're just out at the park doing your thing, but then, but you, you knew so many people were actually watching online and on TV and stuff. So it, it was a weird kind of experience that for, and we had it again when we went down to play La Rochelle at the Aviva in the season, it kind of, you got that, um, that feeling again that what's going on here because when because the total opposite is when it is packed and you get that Friday night lights at Ravenhill like there's not many better experiences than that mm. so to go without that for you know a season and a half was was pretty tough the weirdest one must have been the pro 14 final though you you've got yeah. a, you've got a trophy on the line this is supposed to be the biggest game of the season for you guys mm. and it's in front of an empty stadium yeah I was yeah, it was a bit weird because, again, like you, especially when you run out, you run out and like you're so pumped and jacked up, and you want to play, and you're playing in a final. That means so much in that in that context. And you get out, and it's kind of just the other team. And you can hear it. You can hear like the the players and the other team like echoing around, like their calls, like get off the line, like all that kind of stuff. You can hear it echoing around. It was kind of eerie a little bit. Moving sort of out of COVID then, I, I imagine the fans coming back must have helped with making these last two seasons so enjoyable for you. But, you know, you, you get the extension, you're, you're back for another another couple of seasons with, with Ulster. You must have been feeling, you know, pretty pumped just to, to get back on the pitch in, in front of the fans. Yeah, we were. It was, it was great. Like I remember, I can't remember, when was that first game we had after the, was it the 2021 season? Like, and it was, it was capacity for a while, but then when they took away all the restrictions, it was great. You ran out there and you're like, yeah, we're back. Like it felt, it felt, um, like you, you had that support again, like the, the crowd behind you, it felt like really real again. I suppose just, uh, looking at those last two seasons as a whole as well, like how do you view, I suppose, how close you came, especially think, you know, last year was that. Stormers semi-final and I suppose the background of that being that if you had to get the referee decision in South Africa the first time, you know, the semi-final would have been in Belfast. All these sort of little fine things that it felt sort of went against you last season and then this season as well, finishing second in the league, but uh, the playoffs ultimately been a disappointment. Like, how close do you feel like you were to being able to win silverware during these past two years? Uh, well, if you sat in the meetings, like we we thought we were really close. I mean, this year was disappointing because pretty much on every metric that we had, we had a better season than the year before. And the teams we did lose to were, you know, quite good teams. Um, and it's tough when you compare yourself to a team like Leicester, uh, Leinster, sorry, not Leicester. Don't know why I said that. Um, when you compare yourself to Leinster, La Rochelle, like these are the best club teams in the world. Um, it's, it's tough. Like 
and we, we genuinely believed that we were going to, I feel like we were really disappointed with how we did against Connacht because that was an opportunity that we, that we let slip and Connacht were better on the night. That That's the problem. But when you look back at, at what we did this season, the, the amount of tries we, I think we scored 20, 25 more tries. We won at Thorman Park. We were undefeated in South Africa, which no one's done. Um, big away wins. We beat Sale at home. We're a pretty good team as well. Um, like most of the metrics are pointing in the direction that we uh, are still on the up, but we're just um, obviously disappointed ourselves with that game in against Connacht. Just like you sort of said before about how much you enjoyed this year and how good a group it was, how good a group of guys, how tight-knit it was, and a lot of the players have said the same. Like With that in mind... I don't know how much attention you pay to these things, but how surprising was it to see reports towards the end of the season that it wasn't a happy camp and that uh, it was fallouts and that the mood wasn't good heading into the playoffs and things like that? Yeah, like I am a little, I'm a little bit off the radar with all that kind of stuff. Like I, I just take the day as it as it comes for me. Like I'm, I don't read into it too much. Um, but like in terms of the way we were playing, the momentum that we had, it's really wasn't an issue with me or the, the perception of it that I had. And again, this last season, I wasn't in the leadership group. I wasn't kind of in the backroom meetings with, with everything else. I was, I was more just a player doing my role. Um, I guess that's probably why I enjoyed it as well. <laughs> um, but it didn't really kind of see, I, I haven't actually read the article, so I don't, I don't know what you're, you're kind of, I know what you're referring to, but the exact details I wouldn't know. And in terms of you saying that you enjoyed the season, it felt like that sort of showed on the pitch. Like, is it fair to say that this was your best performance in terms of performances? This was your best season for Ulster as well. Yeah, I, I feel like that, and uh, I hope it reflected with you know how other people perceived it as well. But yeah, when you're enjoying what you're doing, I mean, it, it makes it easy, doesn't it? You turn up each week and you rip in, and um, uh, I was just in a good place. Um, don't know what it was. It, was. it just felt good this season, I guess. <laughs> it goes in waves. Sometimes you, you know, you feel good. Sometimes you don't, I guess. But it, it's such a competitive second row in Ulster as well. Mm. You, you obviously got Handy, who uh, spends a lot of time with Ireland. But between Al and Kieran Treadwell, Harry Sheridan's pushing through. Cormac is a Chukwu. We know is a is a talent as well. You know you, you have to fight for game time in that second row, don't you? Yeah, I think that's what I enjoyed most about it because I love competing and obviously when you've got that kind of quality position. I mean, each week you need to fight to be in the team almost. Like, and it's tough, especially when you get called into the office and say you're not playing this weekend because you haven't been good enough or you know, he's going a different direction. I mean, that, that hurts and it makes you train and, and play harder the next week. And I I was just in a good spot for competing this year. I, I felt good about it. Whenever you look at guys like Harry and, and Cormac pushing through, first of all, how, how important is that for, for a team to have those guys who are hungry and trying to, trying to get game time? But secondly, you know, whenever you're feeling that hurt of maybe not being selected one week and, and you want to get picked the next week, how does that then translate into trying to help the team as a, as a whole? You know, there, there must be sort of like, and look, I, I know you're a consummate professional, you'll be helping out as much as possible, but there must be that voice in the back of the head. It's like, this guy's my competitor here. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Especially with young guys as well, because the one thing that they're lacking, um, probably like we know about their sort of raw athleticism and stuff like that, but one thing that they are lacking is probably a bit of set piece nice, really, which is something that you have in abundance. So. Mm. No, it's difficult. Sometimes you want to take their knees out, but like, <laughs> obviously you don't do that. Um, no, it's tough. Like, and and again, I enjoy it. Like, I enjoy the challenge of young guys coming through because eventually they're going to get me. Like, they're going to take your spot at some point. But again, until they take the jersey off you, it's it's still yours. And in order to in order to be there each week and play the games and play the Friday night lights and stuff, you need to keep competing consistently at training and on the pitch. Otherwise, you won't be there. And sometimes when you get that tough conversation saying that you're not in the team this week, like, yeah, it's, it's tough. You can drag your lip around. You can, you know, make everyone's life difficult. But then if everyone did that, I mean, we'd be a terrible team. So you kind of need to 
pick yourself up again, just just get on with it, really. What lasting impacts has Belfast left on you? Have, have you picked up any phrases? That's, that's, all, that's always the go-to question for guys who come over. It's like, what phrases are you taking back to Australia or, or maybe over to Leicester? Oh, I... Uh, <laughs> oh, I... Or cure, or... Um, <laughs> um, I say higher a lot now. <laughs> I, don't know why, like, I don't know where that came from. My daughter was actually born here and like I don't say I at all like oh I like that and now she says I like they don't even say it at the nursery that she's at so I don't know where she's picked this up like it's uh it's going to be like a like a really nice special part of my life now like the the journey that we've had the four years here my daughter being born here um like what we went through it's it's just it's just part of the story now so it's it's going to hold I guess like a special place in my heart Belfast and hopefully one day I'll get back here again um well hopefully next season when we play in Europe or something like that mm. that would be that would be awesome I guess but what uh what specifically would you uh will you miss about Belfast I was talking to John Afoa like a couple of weeks ago and he was saying that he still misses a Belfast bop from uh, St George's <laughs> Market uh I don't know I, I someone asked me this the other day I'd say my teammates because like it's obviously when you come up here like a few of the guys are, are from here but a few guys from down south and other places and you all come together and like this is this is what makes us us like the Ulsterman the the training the the team the the journey that we're on well I'm not on it anymore they are but that that's probably what I miss the most the teammates how difficult did that make um the Connacht game because even watching like I suppose the aftermath of that game and it was I suppose yourself and Gilly obviously as well Jordy Murphy and you could see like you know Alan O'Connor came up to speak to us afterwards and he sort of said that that was the most disappointing thing for him that there were guys that this was their last Ulster game and that was how it was going to finish for them like what was it like afterwards what was it like in the in the changing rooms and stuff just I suppose to finish on such a deflating note yeah, it didn't really hit me straight away because um, the way that we were thinking, we're like, well, we're going to win this game, then we're going to win the next game, then we're going to get a home final or we'll go down to the Aviva or whatever you were thinking at the time. But um, it took a while to kind of sink in because even when I was on, I was on on the last 20 minutes or something like that, like I still genuinely believe we were going to win, like we were going to get over the line and then, you know, work out what we'd training the next week and who we're playing and stuff but then when it didn't happen like I didn't really get emotional until I saw my wife and my daughter I was like at the end I was like this is really over kind of and then you're sitting sitting in the change room and I was actually next to Geordie and he'd played his final game at that point I know he played the yeah. world 15 but like he was retiring and that was it like it was kind of it was just a fizz <laughs> it, was, it was really disappointing in a way I guess how then do you sort of process that you know like well I, I imagine there wasn't like another week where you guys came in just sort of like reflected and then everyone kind of says their goodbyes before they go off for summer or something like that was there sort of like a week of reflection almost uh i knew i know, oh sorry i know the the current squad went in they had a few meetings and stuff it was optional for the bikes that were leaving so i was in there we had maybe three or four farewell dues and I'm still like I was in there training with the national guys last week, just you know keeping fit, enjoying the sunshine, <laughs> throwing the ball around a bit. Um, but yeah, it was it was kind of deflating. It was a bit of a fizz, like the last game of the season. Then there's no more team meetings. It's nothing. It's done. It's just just over. And then you transition pretty quickly to you know having to think about next season. I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was kind of in the pipeline um during those final games but then you need to well, I hadn't officially signed at that point so I was out of a job like it kind of just felt like a really weird weird time um and then we signed with Leicester and then we've got our whole world to kind of organize in the next two weeks before we head off on holiday I guess how did the Leicester move come about because I suppose even thinking back to when you signed for Ulster it was done very far in advance you know we knew you were coming i think from memory even the christmas before you actually arrived sort of thing like mm. um how or when did the move sort of first become mooted and how exciting is it when a team like of the size and history of leicester tigers comes in for you yeah well that that was the thing i mean um i have a 
good relationship with the coach through the Brumbies, massive club, Leicester, uh, big history, a bit like Ulster. So, uh, and I hear Welford Road's a, like a hell of a place to play. So that was something that was really exciting for me um, and to challenge myself and to compete in the Prem is another thing. I guess I've never played, I've played a few, you know, premiership teams, but uh, to test myself in that arena now is is another challenge I'm looking forward to. But as you said, normally, like I'm quite tactical about it. I'd normally sign my next contract before I start the, the final season. But this year, there just, there wasn't any contracts for a while came up quite late. I mean, it was it was a tough market because you had the two teams um, leave the premiership and then obviously the financial trouble that the Welsh teams were having. So a lot of players were looking to go somewhere else. And when you're a 33-year-old kind of lock, you, you're not the first first cab off the rank in, in that respect. There's a lot of younger kind of more with players with potential that get picked for these big clubs in France and and all over the world so it was pretty stressful towards the end of the season not having a contract and not not knowing what was going to happen and then obviously the Leicester deal came up and I thought yeah this is this is a great opportunity. It's an interesting part of it I think that um, because obviously I suppose this time last year really we sort of started to hear about Worcester and then Wasps wasn't long after that and in the immediate moment of that you're obviously thinking about all the players that are at those clubs and the staff at those clubs. And, you know, we saw it with um, Roy Sutherland coming over here. But probably by the time this goes out, London Irish will have gone bust as well. Like So it has really fundamentally changed the marketplace. And you were, I suppose, one of the first players to sort of experience the effects of that, as you say. Like, mm. it's going to be a very stressful time when you're coming to the end of one contract and you get used to a market that sort of kicks into gear a year in advance and then all of a sudden that's just not happening anymore. I'm sure there's loads of players that were in the same boat as well. Like, you're probably talking to a lot of friends and, and players who are going through the same thing as well. So you're probably hearing about guys who are getting deals or, or also trying to find deals. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe even a bit of competitiveness in that. <laughs> it is, it is, because there's only so many spots. I mean, um, there's, there's teams and then... Like there's a list of teams you, you'd want to go to, great teams, great place, like decent money, all that kind of stuff. But then obviously when they, those spots get taken, get taken, get taken, I mean, there's not much left at the, the kind of end. And I was, I was very lucky that a big club like Leicester did come, like, did come to the table and then we, uh, we were lucky enough to sign there and it's, uh, it's going to be a new journey from, from July, I guess. I'm sure it's sort of a sorry, um, energizing thing. Like we've both been to Welford Road, I think. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a great place to to watch rugby. I'm sure it's a brilliant place to play rugby, and even the challenge of uh, going into a new league um, team that you know, 12 months ago were the were the champions of England. Like it must be just an incredible buzz. Sort of, even though you've only sort of just finished one season, to already be looking ahead to the next one. Yeah, it is. It is. It's. Um... Look, I'm really excited to link up with Dan again. You look at the roster that they've got; like, they're they're a big club and they've got some really good players there. And again, it's not going to be easy. Because similar to here, they've got some really good second rowers over there as well. So, I'm just looking forward to getting over there, ripping in, competing, seeing how far I go. Um, because it's oh, I haven't got that many years left in me you know like everyone wishes they could play to the 40 but realistically you know could be could be my last season so not everybody's Dwayne Vermeulen yeah not, <laughs> not everyone's made of like absolute granite like Dwayne yeah um could be my last season so I want to enjoy it and rip in the, I was gonna ask the, how much the Dan McKellar effect ha had you know like someone that you have worked with before and have such a good relationship with I mean I imagine that'll also help you whenever you're going over and that you know the style that you're going to be dropping into. Yeah, yeah, we kind of already knew what the Leicester Tigers style of rugby is. It's very similar to what I what I was doing at the Brumbies and a little bit to Ulster. Um, so I know, I know how to scrum and more. I know set pace. I know working hard and I feel like I'm a really good fit for that team. I feel like it would be remiss to bring you on and not ask you about the mall that Ulster have had this season, you know, something that you have been so integral to. Like, 
just just what without giving away too many you know state <laughs> secrets or anything like that we're we're not we're not going to try and uh, have any team now you can say whatever you want well yeah that's, that's true actually you know you, when, whenever Ulster draw Leicester in the Champions Cup next season Sam will be the first one to pipe up and go here's exactly what mm. they're doing um, but to, just was there a was there a real like determination to make them all such a big weapon at the start of the season or did you just find something like because I, I don't remember any team having such a mall success in, in one season it seemed like every- 16 tries for Tom Stewart would say please tell me you guys gave him a bit of ribbing that like 99% of his tries were all coming off malls yeah yeah, well, yeah a few guys <laughs> did yeah I, I don't think there isn't really any trade secrets I mean it's just something we've been building for for four years and then we added Dwayne Vermeulen who obviously knows how to mall mm-hmm. um, he's very good at it Roddy Grant um, has come a long way, like from when we both started there. He's very technical, very detailed, drives us, it's something we work on pretty much every session. Um, and just everyone knowing their roles. And I don't know, I, there's, there's not much to it. It's just everyone on the same page working hard. And then if you do that better than the other eight guys, I mean, you score. Like it's, it seems really simple to explain, but that's, that's all it is. There's no, there's no kind of, like secret kind of uh, spell on it or anything. It's just it's just blokes working hard, ripping in together. How much do you enjoy it? Because like I suppose sometimes fans of other teams or pundits on games that they're broadcasting almost uh, turn their nose up at it sometimes. But like when it's such an effective weapon, you are obviously going to use it. Like for the guys that are involved and central to it, like. How much do you, I suppose, enjoy the process of it as much as the results when it ends up in tries? We like the reputation it comes with. Like teams are constantly looking at footage. Like every week, they're like, oh, we've got to stop Ulster's more. We've got to stop Ulster's more. We've got to take away that weapon. Like, and then they stop looking at other things, which opens up opportunities on the pitch. I mean, to have that, to be talked about in that regard by other teams, is one of the best mauling packs in, in Europe. I mean, it's... It's great to hear when people like something you put a lot of effort into. Um, when people talk about it like that, like it's a like something. It's oh my god, we're, we're going to stop this, otherwise we're going to lose. So it's. It, I know the guys take a lot of satisfaction out of that. It must be even more satisfying whenever they put so much effort into stopping it, and you still mull over them anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's always good as well. Yeah. <laughs> If, if you allow me to to look back for a second, I remember playing, and I'm going to really age myself here, I remember playing Rugby 03. I don't know if you can age yourself at 26. I don't think that's... By the time this goes out, I might be 27. Okay. <laughs> I remember playing Rugby... That's o- the tipping point. <laughs> I remember playing Rugby 05 on the PS2, and the Brumbies were the best team. Me as a wee, what, eight, nine-year-old at the time... I was like, got to play as the best team. So I played as the Brumbies. And I remember playing, you know, with the likes of Gregan, Larkham, uh, Ghetto, you know, all those all those big names. And, you know, you're looking at those guys. For you as a young guy growing up, watching these guys playing, what, what was it like as, as someone coming through the system at, at the Brumbies and, and then going on to play for them? I was, I was actually a Waratah supporter when I was growing up. I grew up oh, in New South Wales. All right, let, let me quickly Google some No, uh, <laughs> Waratahs, no um, I, I do know what you mean, though, but all those guys were playing for Australia at that time. And, w- and when I was growing up, um, the Australian rugby between that, you know, when was it, 98 to 2005 period, it was just the golden era of Oz rugby. And mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to be, like I wanted to be a part of that. I, I love watching it, I love going to the games. We saw us win the World Cup in 99 and then, I was at the semi-final in 2003 when we beat the All Blacks with that intercept try. Like it was, these are the things you just remember about rugby and like when you play rugby, you want to do it at the highest level. And I knew that from a very kind of early age that I just wanted to play for Australia because these guys were doing it like week in, week out. It made me so proud to watch a bunch of guys representing the country that I was from. So to, to do that and to get a chance to do that eventually with myself and then I was coached by Bernie or Stephen Larkham who kicked that drop goal in the semi-final like it's it's an incredible thing everyone has that dream you know uh, I had a dream of playing for Ireland one day I was never ever going to make it but I had that dream one day at what point did you sort of know that you were 
you not only had that dream, but you were potentially good enough to to go on and and make a career out of rugby. When did you sort of know that this was what you realistically wanted to do, not just dreamed of doing? I don't know. I don't know if there was ever really a point. I just knew I wanted to play rugby. Like I went to university straight out of school and like I was, I was kind of having a good time. I was studying a little bit, but rugby was always the thing that I, I wanted to do. Um, and then got my opportunity on like a tier two academy gig at the Brumbies. I had a choice between the Waratahs and the Brumbies and um, like Waratahs being my kind of hometown, the, the team I supported, but they had or their program wasn't as good and they didn't have the reputation that the Brumbies did. So I took the chance and went down there and the rest was kind of history after Jake came in. So, um, yeah, I don't think there was an exact point. I just, it was just something I enjoyed and I just wanted to do at the, at the top level. That must've been the tough call actually turning down your, the team you've supported since you were a kid and <laughs> going somewhere else. Yeah, it was. It was my parents as well that pushed me in that direction. Um, like they, they were always good to me uh, growing up, taking me to rugby carnivals like you know, 50, 60, 70 k's away every Sunday. Um, and then when I had that decision between New South Wales or the ACT, they pushed me down there because it was probably what was better for me and it worked out. What was the Brumbies like? Like We've heard you talking about what it was like to, to play for Ulster. Is it a very different sort of environment or very similar to Ulster what, what, what was that experience like of sort of breaking into the into the senior team it was quite similar I mean uh Canberra or the ACT is obviously the capital of Australia and not many well there's a lot more now but when I first got there not many blokes were actually from Canberra a lot of blokes were from Queensland or Sydney or Perth or there was a few South Africans there at the time um so it was it was kind of a community where everyone came together and the one thing we had in common was was rugby because no one knew anyone else there so it's kind of like a family environment for us for that first five years because we knew no one else in Canberra at that time so it was I just remember it being such a such an incredible run of like my life that was it was just a lot of fun a lot of mates were made and we played some really good footy for you guys as as brumbies i mean i i remember getting up in, in the morning and watching you know super rugby you'd have maybe like three games back to back on on sky sports in the morning like Talk to me about some of the teams that you, you were involved in. You you mentioned, you know, Henry Spate and Christian Leofano coming over here as well, but you played with Scott Fardy, who who came and played mm -hmm. in Leinster. And uh, I know Rory Murphy came over and played in Ulster for a little bit. Uh, I don't know if your times overlapped. In, yeah, in yeah, he was there in 2012 with mm -hmm. us and maybe even 2013 in Canberra. But some great teams there down in Canberra. Yeah, yeah, well, I remember in 2013 when we made the run to the final mm. uh george smith actually came back and and started playing for us as well like <laughs> mid-season he got player of the season like having only played eight games he was incredible and to play with someone like george smith who's mm. you know george smith <laughs> it was and, and clyde rathbone as well like yeah. it, you you watch these guys growing up and then you're actually playing with them and i was a young guy at that stage um, but it, it was just incredible to to like be on the pitch with it. It, it. It's almost like it wasn't real. You're kind of playing with these guys that you saw, you you idolised, you looked up to, and then you're, you're, like, you're sharing a beer afterwards in the change room. Like it, was, <laughs> it was incredible. And these guys have like this aura around them as well where, you know, they're just walking and it's like, holy moly, that's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's <yeah>. George Smith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you go on to make your, your Australia debut in 2014 against France. I mean, when did you find out? Like, what was it? Was it something that came out of the blue for you, or was it? Uh, did you kind of know that it was maybe going to come? Uh, I didn't kind of. I was, I was hoping it was coming. Um, I remember being or we were in South Africa at the time, and the coach said, "Just keep your phone on today. Then you might get a call." I'm like, <laughs> oh, "Okay, yeah, sweet." <laughs> we were at the mall, and I think it was you and Mackenzie called me, um, and he said, "Look, mate, I'd I'd love to to have you into camp." And uh, he'd been selected for the, the Wallabies camp in the June series. And, like, it was it was just the most incredible thing. But then I still hadn't been picked. And the week of that first test, like, he hadn't really said anything to me. And he tapped me on the shoulder before he went into, uh, like, announced the team and the team. And he goes, mate, I'm starting you at lock this week against the French. And I was like, oh, like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm on here. Like, it was... Uh, 
yeah, it was incredible. Um, and it was something I was, I was really proud of. All my mates came up, my family came up. Um, it was at Suncorp and we had a good win. Who, who was the first person you called after you found out you were starting? After I was starting, I can't, I can't even remember. Like I'd, my, my mind was dead set scrambled because I was trying to like learn all these new calls that week <laughs> just to hold, like I thought I was holding pads for the, for the three <laughs> weeks, like just part of the squad because uh, James Hall was the guy that was left out of that team that week. Um, so like there was, in my mind, there was no way I was actually playing until he just threw me in there. So the mind fog is real. You know, you hear people talking about, you know, going into the meeting and they're not actually paying attention as the team's being read out because it's like they, they can't believe that they're starting. It is a real thing. Yeah, it's real. I didn't even know it was not. <laughs> I didn't know who, who else was in the team. Then, then, um, yeah, no, it's real. For, for you as, as a young person growing up dreaming of playing for the Wallabies to actually put on that gold jersey, like, do, do you still have... A memento from that first game. Do you still have the jersey? Yeah, yeah, still got the jersey. You get two jerseys. Um, one that you play in and one you can change at half time, but still got it at home somewhere. <laughs> it's very special. That thing's never getting lost, does no, it? No. <laughs> but to to go on and have the the career you had at, at international level, you know, as as a young guy growing up watching all those guys, like you must be very proud of what you're able to achieve. Yeah, I am. I think anytime you get to represent your country, you're representing like everyone you know every everything you've grown up with um and to to do that at the like the biggest stages was something i'm like incredibly proud of just in terms of then leaving australia like now with i suppose the benefit of hindsight if somebody was to come to you and ask you know is this something i should do should i take the plunge go to the northern hemisphere not even necessarily ulster just um to make the move abroad what would you say to them Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. I'm trying to get some of the guys from Ulster to go play in Australia just to <laughs> test themselves to, to get off the island a little bit. Um, no, it's it's been, like, as I said before, it's been tough. It's been like, incredibly tough, but it's also been incredibly good. Like, I've got some of the best memories of my life here. So um, I'd, I'd definitely do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is the biggest sort of style difference between Super Rugby and European Rugby? Like, is, is there a massive difference? Between I, don't, I don't think there's much of a difference anymore at all. I, in fact, I'd say the well, not that I've played Super Rugby in four years, but the standards almost, if not better over here. I mean, with the the competition they have, the skill sets, the with the South Africans coming in, the the exposure they have to different styles of rugby. I mean. They're just becoming better players up here. Mm. And it's it's a little bit worrying in Australia because we're only playing New Zealand at the moment and the Drua and Moana Pacifica. Like there's not much exposure to other other kind of styles. And mm. when you play the same team all the time, like you, you're not going to get any better, I guess. Yeah, I think that'll, like, that'll be interesting moving forward because the first ex- exposure to, say, a South African scrum or a South African mall that, the New Zealand teams and the Australian teams are going to have now is going to be at an international level. So it's, yeah, yeah. But you've lost that sort of scouting bit almost that you would have had before in Super Rugby. I, th- I think the the Kiwis are suffering a little bit as well. Like I, the I, I believe the standards dropped off a little bit with New Zealand rugby. I mean, the they set the bar so high, and they were the front runners for rugby for so long. But now you're seeing the Irish teams, the French teams, and the way they're playing. It's it's been. Uh, it's been incredible to see. Whenever you're watching sort of the rugby championship now, I, I imagine that's probably where you've noticed it more more than maybe Super Rugby. No, probably a little bit in Super Rugby, I guess. Okay. Um, but again, they don't they don't have that dimension of playing a big South African pack or playing at altitude or you know going over there and playing that different style. It's kind of just it's been the same same a little bit the last yeah. couple of years, I think. Whereas you thought you were getting away from it, and then as soon as yeah, honestly, right, I thought yeah. I was getting away from those big blokes. I was like, "That's it, I'm out of here, man." <laughs> on, on, on a bit of a serious note, like the South African teams coming into the URC, I think for the first couple of years it was just the Cheetahs and the Kings, if I'm right. Um, how much has the competition been enhanced by the URC by bringing in the Stormers, the Sharks, you know, 
these guys who are the the big South African guys and you know the the Springboks as well. No, it's a it's a whole different dimension. I mean, because not only do you have to play these teams, you have to play them at home as well. Like we're completely different uh, climate, different different landscape, different stadiums. Like it's and the pitches in South Africa are fast. They're fast tracks. Like. Um, so it, it adds another dimension to it. I, I think when we played the Lions this year, it was like 32, 33 degrees. Just like Belfast right now. Just, just <laughs> like Belfast right now, yeah, yeah. Um, and the next week everyone got gastro. <laughs> so, but that's another dimension as well, I guess. Um, I don't want to dig too deep into the gastroenteritis, but... <sighs> What yeah, we're talking about an, an enjoyable season. There was the gastro, there was the six <laughs> losses in seven, there was La Rochelle behind <laughs> closed doors, yeah. What what was that week like though? If if you could lift a little wee bit, just like was was it bad? Uh, it, was, it was it was grim. It was very grim. It was like blokes, blokes were just it was a ticking time bomb because you started to see guys get it at the start of the week and then like there was blokes still training still like doing everything else they had to do to prepare for the game but then blokes would just disappear for a couple of days and <laughs> <laughs> sniped by someone like, and by the end of it like when everyone had it I think there was only two guys that didn't have it like blokes were just walking around like zombies <laughs> in the hotel it was probably the sickest I've ever like the crookest I've ever been in my life it was so bad whatever vitamin plan those two guys were on needed to be shared with everybody else yeah <laughs> who were the two guys I think it was Matty Ray and Stu McCloskey and like I was with Stu the back end of the week and he's like oh I've just got to get something to eat. And he went down to McDonald's. I was like, man, this, this is like begging to get it almost, <laughs> man. What are you doing? Like, he was, uh, he got off scot free. You're right. Let's share that vitamin plan for sure. Yeah. Well, apparently it's just McDonald's, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, playing for Ireland against the box like two weeks later. <laughs> Jeepers, if McDonald's is the solution to being healthy, then I should be the healthiest man <laughs> in the world. Um, and we believe you're doing some stuff away from the pitch as well. You're uh, you're working alongside uh, some of Eve's friends. Uh, it's what PwC. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, and no, I did a did a week in um, PwC, just shadowing a couple of the guys there. It was all guys and girls. It was yeah, it was good. We had a week off, and I'm kind of want to transition, see what it's like, even if just to to rule out that I don't want to do it. But when I got in there, everyone was like really good to me and learn a few things so um maybe you might see me back there <laughs> maybe in a different city though how, how much does that sort of weigh on guys like you're you're not retiring obviously but like at some point does it sort of filter into the back of your mind i've maybe got to start thinking about life beyond rugby yeah well, i think it's in the back of everyone's mind really all the players mind because there is an expiry date on your career i mean you can't you can't do it forever unless you go into coaching but Again, it's not really the same, um, but yeah, it's more. It's something I think about more and more. It kind of occupies uh, space in my mind a fair bit these days because, again, I could only have one, maybe two seasons left. So, um, putting things in place to have something to transition with is is um, something that I'm really working on at the moment. Very good. And did it roll it out? Did it? No, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I had a very rose-tinted kind of view of it, though, because I was with, my, like, most of the partners and, like, the higher-ups and I was sitting in our meetings and stuff. I was like, oh, yeah, this is great. I could easily do this. Don't worry about the 10 years of experience I need to gain to be at that level anyway. Yeah, as long as you start at, like, you know, president level. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's an easy job, easy, isn't it? Easy, it? Yeah. For you now, what, what, does, uh, what does summer look like then? Are you heading straight over to, to Leicester or are you going to take a few weeks off? No, I've got a couple of weeks off. We're going to... The south of france and greece um so it should be good lovely but, spot yeah. lovely spot I've, I've always wanted to go to greece we were walking around there's a spring continental market going on in belfast at the moment and i was walking around on saturday and there was like greek food and i was like, no, I was like don't know what any of this is <laughs> my girlfriend was like oh you want to try some not really no <laughs> but um it was the smells were just so good. And I was like, you sort of oh, missed the point of a continental market if you didn't want to actually try the different food. But uh... Uh, I had Dutch pancakes. Okay, like fine. that definitely counts as continental. <laughs> Literally has Dutch in the title. Um, I, and I believe sort of like as a, as a kind of sign, do, sign off, you were at uh, Kieran Treadwell's wedding uh, yeah. yesterday. 
<laughs> hell of a do, hell of a do last <laughs> night. Yeah, it was it was good. It was down at County uh, Castle Leslie. So um, I was telling you before, it's uh, it's different to how they do weddings over here. You've kind of got the guests that are at the ceremony, the the chapel, and the speeches and the dinner. But then there's also kind of a second guest list that come a bit later in the night and that's when, you know, half our teammates rocked up and just <laughs> provided the energy for the rest of the night. Fair play for you to make, for making it in here this morning then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's, who's the party animal in the Ulster squad then? Who was providing the most energy? Oh, I think at this stage of the season, they all were. <laughs> we nothing to worry about. End <laughs> um, of season blowout. End of season blowout. There's been a few of those, yeah. But, um, no, no, it was good fun. It was good fun. And on, on a serious note, you know, like whenever you're looking ahead to next season and the Champions Cup draws being done, would you want to draw Ulster? Like, Absolutely, would you... yeah, that would be incredible. That would be like part of the script almost, a little bit <laughs> like my script, obviously, not the, not the league script. But, yeah, I'd love to come back and play at Ravenhill again. <laughs> Experience the away dressing room. Yeah, the once. away dressing room, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depends on the format, I think, yeah. Uh... There's a possibility it might not be home and away or something. So oh goodness, like there's so. Are they changing it again? Are they? Yeah. yeah so yeah. you may have to, may have to get your head around that. Now that's changing, we may as well ask what you make of the current format of. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. know, but it changed again from last year as well. It was different last year as well with the round of sixteen home and away. Wasn't yeah. It? yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't know. I just <laughs> I just play the rugby. That's <laughs> you just get told that you're playing. Yeah, yeah that's, that's probably easiest in trying no, to get your head around some much. of their formats that they've come up with recently. Yeah. Um, before we let you let you go, Sam, um, what what do you think the future looks like for Ulster now, now that you're stepping out of that? Like, what do you how do you feel like the province is, is set up moving forward? I think it's in a good place. I think a lot of those young guys with a bit more experience, if they start to put uh, their stamp on on the game and take the lead, Ulster's in a really good spot. Perfect. Once an Ulsterman, always an Ulsterman, Sam. Always, you'll, be, yeah. uh, you'll be watching on, I'm sure, and, and keeping track of how Ulster are doing from Leicester and, and even beyond. But Sam, it's been an absolute pleasure having you in. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time and we wish you all the very best in Leicester, you and your family and uh, enjoy your time in, in France and Greece as well. And I'm sure we will we'll see you back in Belfast at some point. Yeah, cheers, guys. Thanks for having me. Eh? Uh, you can listen to Belltel Rugby on whatever podcast providers you listen to, Spotify, Google. We will be putting this out on Twitter as well. Uh, and until we see you next time on the Belltel Rugby, from Jonathan. Cheers, thank you. And from myself, Adam McKendry, we will see you next time. Thanks very much for listening. <laughs>